Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and the UFC's backup scale to my lightweight title reign, Nick Braccia. Nick, it did not work for Charles Oliveira last weekend. He walked away after Saturday night without his title strapped around his waist. But he basically smoked Justin Gaethje and, uh, and looked damn good doing it. Now, the scale controversy, Nick, we, we have to discuss if only a little bit. Yeah, we have to discuss it. I also like. Yes, he looks good, but he still he still got dropped twice. That's what he does. Also, he when he gets dropped, right? It's not that he's like gets hit and he just like forcefully drops around. He gets hit and he decides, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I need a second. You want to come into my guard? No, you're going to let me up after a few seconds and give me this break. Great. Yeah, that seems to be how it works. Now, Michael Chandler, he actually went in for the kill, which cost him because he was that much more tired in that second round. And then Oliveira was able to counter his right cross to the body. This combination that Oliveira has right now of, of crisp, effective boxing that can score knockdowns and mer- in the best jujitsu in the division is like is tough. He's going to be a tough out. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have to you're going to have to like get his eyes to roll in the back of his head to beat this guy now. That that's certainly what it seems like and. Man, I'm now more intrigued by the potential matchup with Mahachev than ever because, you know... I don't think Gagey... Yeah, so I'm intrigued with Mahachev, but I'm just like, I think Gagey hits harder than Connor. I'm not as sure about that. I think that if Connor can have you moving forward, and he's good at that generally, and Oliveira's going to give that to him, he has serious power. It's guys that realize, like, I'm not going to be on the front foot with Connor anymore. I'm not going to give him the counter opportunity. Those guys tend to take over, right? Doesn't Oliveira usually get, eat rights? I mean, does he really? Yeah, get, I'm trying to think if he's been. I'm trying to think if he's been hurt badly by a left. Uh, well, I mean, how many southpaws has he fought lately? Good point. He's, he tends to get hurt badly in the first round, and when I say badly again. He just like kind of decides to sit down. It's almost like this defense mechanism slash like my style allows for this. I get a few seconds. Now I don't love how that pretends in the judges' eyes, but he finishes motherfuckers, finishes everybody but Tony Ferguson. And how fucking? By the way, just quickly, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. I keep saying Michael Chandler is not elite. I said last week you picked him too early, and granted, you you, you got him, and, and it was a good pick. Yeah you, yeah, you also went at me for talking about Tony's durability, but whatever. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry, Nick. He was piecing him up in the first round, and Tony hasn't pieced anybody up in a long time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Tony looked great in the first Yeah, Tony and then, really good as the far as durability, round. a soccer kick from maybe the most athletic man at 155, straight to the jaw, like... Who would have? It was a front kick. No, 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 no. no. It was not a snap kick, Nick. It was a soccer kick, but it was landed with the ball of the foot. Michael Chandler didn't throw good technique. Like Tony Ferguson was circling to Michael Chandler's left side, and Chandler literally like threw it sideways, almost like turned into it, uh, which allowed him a little bit more extension. And Tony didn't see it coming. Like who sees a front leg landing from that angle? If you're facing your opponent's left shoulder, you don't expect his right leg is going to get you very quickly. But it looked, well, it looked to me like the the kick that Cheeto hit Edgar with. That was a snap kick, right? That was a, that was a kick where uh, the knee comes up and then the then the the lower shin kind of snaps up. Uh, landing Got foot it. first. This was literally a straight was, leg just swinging a, straight up. This is a, show, a Shogun and Pride soccer kick. Yes. All the way to that. Exactly. That's the thing, right? It wasn't like a traditional snap kick. That was Michael Chandler, who was extremely explosive, throwing his leg full force. Granted, against gravity, but still full force. And Tony just like bounced right into it as he was moving laterally. Man, it was insane. Um, and then, of course, we had the terrible matchup between Nami Yunus and Esparza. But Nick, let's not dive too deep into oh, this yet. Let's... Don't get me. <laughs> I wrote a nasty, na- nasty letters to Trevor Whitman and Pat Barry. That, that I, is very I funny. An, I have an envelope waiting to send. You know what, Nick? I, we have a lot to discuss because I have opinions on this as well. But let's first break down Blachowicz versus Rakic going down this Saturday Blaho- night. Blachowicz. Blachowicz versus Rakic. Can you say it better than me? Go ahead. Blachowicz versus Rakic. No, no, no. Blachowicz versus Rakic. Yes, I, I can do the Slavic thing if I really need to, Nick, if I focus in. But seriously, this card is actually better than you would assume. It doesn't have 15 or 16 fights unnecessarily. It's like an 11-fight card. I'm into that, Nick. There are some names here, some contenders, former champions. You know I love women's MMA. It says three elite women's mm-hmm. MMA fights on it. 
Absolutely. It has, uh, how about Jan Blahovich, who was just the champion and ranked number one at light heavyweight against Rakic, who is a serious up It's an intriguing matchup, not necessarily exciting. Kute Laba, who's on a bit of a resurgence, is interesting. David Grant's always exciting. Um, we've got prospects yeah. like Nick Maximoff, who, you know, we're going to figure shit out with. We've got two guys, one of whom is going to leave the UFC after this fight, Michael Johnson or Salon Patrick. Um, it, there's some interesting things here. Definitely some familiar names. Um, and a couple of newcomers from Contender Series, of course. So, I believe you have the first pick this time. Is that correct? Um, yes, I think it is correct. Um, by the way, I quickly uh, have to mention this. I ended up scoring a few points on you in the last event. I think I'm, mm-hmm. I think I, I'm now eight points up instead of five, maybe nine points. Um, I still believe that you will swing back like you normally do, brother. What is your first pick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not so gloating at all. Uh, Don't be. I, uh, my first pick, I'm going to go... Uh, I mean, there's a, f- there's a few here. I haven't even, I didn't actually look and see what the widest odds are, but like, listen, <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong, but cause he's, 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 he's lost two in a row. Um, but the way that Davy Grant fights, um, and what he's shown even in, uh, the recent losses and particular, and then what he showed positively in his win against Martinez. I just don't think I've seen no evidence that Lewis Smolka is really like UFC level against uh, against solid gatekeeper competition anymore. And I think Davy Grant is. I don't really see. I think I think Davy Grant, you know, a guy that went went <clears throat> three rounds with Cheeto, um, that has a that has a couple of big wins. He actually beat, he beat Cheeto earlier. Um, and had that very close fight that, if I recall, I think he deserved to win again against Adrian Yanez. Um, I just don't think Lewis Smoke is that guy that he that we all you know that we all thought he was, or that maybe he was for a little while, you know, six seven years ago. Um, so I'm taking I'm taking Davy Grant to probably finish this one. Yeah, Lewis Smoke after that you know moment that he went through in life where he had alcoholism and he was on this UFC losing streak got uh, dropped from the UFC had a couple of great wins on the local circuit and then came back to the UFC not looking good lately man he just his durability was his kind of last hurrah his last saving grace because he wasn't the fastest he wasn't the strongest he wasn't the most physical right but his durability really meant a lot because he could go through fire to get to where he needs to be and tire you out and take over with his grappling and his technique seems decent on his on his offensive takedowns. It's just he's like not physical, and he's a former one twenty five er going up here against David Grant, who's a good sized one thirty five er who's fought some of the best, like you said, and did pretty well. Had a good accounting of himself. So I agree with you, David Grant, and I think it's a great first pick. He should have the edge here. There's a chance that I mean, I, there's no re- there's no good reason why David Grant should lose this fight. Honestly, it's hard because he's like 38 years old and in this weight division at 135, that's unforgiving. The drop off could be like this, but I'm not sure that Louis Smoke is the guy to take advantage of that. So I'm there with you. Well, the fact is, it's, it was just six months ago that he looked good against Adrian Yanez. So true, you're you're you right, know, and, he, I, and he and arguably won that fight. Um, he had a yeah, you know so fairly just, competitive fight with Chino Vera too. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem to me on the being on the verge of of the wheels coming off. No, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, my first pick is going to be in the matchup. I guess it's hard to trust somebody who's like this young in their career, but given these circumstances, I think I'm going to take Nick Maximoff to to beat Andre oh. Petrovsky. I always I'm, I'm usually the guy that picks Nick Maximov and you pick against No, him. you know what? After his last performance and against Punahele Soriano, man, I was genuinely impressed. I expected Soriano to piece that guy up. And Nick Maximov um, has this – he has this Jake Shields style. And from what I understand, he's a disciple of that guy, right? He talks and acts like the Diaz brothers. Exactly. Except he's like a buff uh, kind of uh, Russian-looking guy. Um, and – and yeah, this is, by the way, just for our listeners, this is the wide. Nick Maximov is the biggest favorite on the card at minus 350. Davey Grant wow. at minus 300 is the, wow. is the second biggest, but he goes up to minus 333 in some places. I, you know, I I think given Max, I think either one would have been a viable first pick given how, how green Maximov still is. Well, that's exactly it. That's why I would have edged toward the Davey Grant first pick if I had that choice, but I didn't. You did a good job of covering that one. Um, I didn't realize this was quite as wide because, again, it's hard to trust. Like, I wouldn't bet this fight at these odds, even in a parlay. Um, in fact, he's down, he's down at minus 435 uh, odds that wide in some, in some cases. It's crazy. 400. Yeah. 
Uh, I've got Nick Maximoff, but not minus 400 confident. Uh, here's the thing. Maximoff is, is the kind of guy who he's very strong physically. He's determined. He's gritty. Um, doesn't necessarily sound super confident if you hear him in like pre-fight interviews and stuff, but he, he has heart in there. He's got grit. He will take big shots. He will get into that grappling mode and never let you go, right? He's got that almost Dagestani style or that Jake Shields style who, who like had it before Khabib and them, right? Where he grabs onto you, even if he can't take you down, he will not let go. You are in his mode. You are in grappling mode. You are clinching with him against that fence until he's able to drag you down. And he probably can't drag you down. Andre Petrovsky is a pretty good grappler, um, pretty explosive. But because of that explosiveness, gets tired quickly. And I expect it could be uh, competitive early. And Petrovsky may even land some shots. Even though Maximov looks decent there, in my opinion. I think Maximov really takes over in the second half of the fight. If not okay. right away. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, listen, my next pick, this is early for this fight, but I want to get in my two-pointer that Ooh. I believe is going to pay off. Um, yeah, you know, you and I, um, we've gone back and forth, but largely we've supported your, your you know, former gym mate, Angela Hill. Um, she's been on the receiving end of some of the, I, some really, really tough split decisions. I think that she's more, far more elite than her record shows. And she's up here against a tough woman, uh, you know, Virna uh, Jandaroba, um, who's got really who's got really good jujitsu, um, and is and is a generally a good overall MMA fighter. But her other her her offensive wrestling um, and her striking are not nearly as good uh, as her jits. And the fact of the matter is to get this fight where she, where she needs to. She's also not as athletic as Angie. And so I think that to get this fight where she needs to, she's going to need to rely on her offensive wrestling. And while Angie's not amazing at that, Jennifer has only got 39% uh, takedown accuracy in the UFC. And Angie's been in there with better offensive wrestlers and acquitted herself like fairly well. So I think this could be another split decision. Um, but I got to believe that Angie's gonna, Angie is going to land more and be able to use her athleticism and keep Virna um, off of her. Um, and stay out of those grappling exchanges. And if she can make 51% of this a kickboxing match, um, she should be able to get the decision and, finally, and, and get the nod from the judges. Now, usually I'd be taking this much, much later in the show, but I need to catch up. And this is the one uh, the one after last week's horrible showing where I lost several split decisions and Rosie Amunis decided, decided not to fight. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So um, I took a beating last week. Uh, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Angie Hill over uh, Virna, although I do like Virna quite a bit. I just I, I think that people are assuming that Angie's going to end up on her back, and I'm not so convinced. So here's the thing, right? Virna Jandaroba has, like you said, 39% takedown accuracy, but some of her opponents are Amanda Hibas, who is a really good grappler. Like, how many takedowns are you trying to get against her? And she did get a takedown against her. They exchanged them, right? Um, she... Got a takedown against Mackenzie Dern. But you don't want to hang out on the floor with Mackenzie Dern. I think she could have, for the record. I think her fucking grappling is that high level where she could have at least survived on top and looked decent in landing a couple of ground and pound shots. Won a decision that way. It was a mistake to stand with the more athletic, more explosive Mackenzie Dern. But anyway, uh, she should have had the confidence in her grappling. She's an elite grappler, Nick. She is fucking no joke oh, on the oh ground. Oh, yeah, she's, she's, oh, she's an elite grappler, and, she, but she has to get you there. Right, and, and she got three takedowns on Carla Esparza in her UFC debut. Carla Esparza is the current champ, who is known for her wrestling and being, having maybe the best wrestling in this division, right? She fought Mackenzie Dern, again, somebody you don't want to take down. Kanaka Murata, who's a high-level wrestler. Yeah, there weren't many takedowns there, not successfully, right, against a dense, short, stocky wrestler. But this is a different matchup. Angela Hill got taken down by Ashley Yoder, right? I love Angie. She's super fucking high level. She deserved to win several of those close split decisions that she that she lost in the last little while. Um, and again, I'm a big fan of this girl. She asked, but do you think? Yeah. But do you think that do you think that Virna um, Jandro is a better offensive wrestler than Michelle Watterson? Yeah. You do? I, I think okay. so. Yeah. What does Michelle Watterson have the have the headlock like hip throw? Like like what is that? Like 1995 women's MMA and strike force? Like what? Know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I mean, she she probably has a little more than that, but that is her main go to takedown. It's kind of a low level amateur takedown that used to work in in certain pockets and you know can work occasionally now, but it's not high level stuff. Virna Jandiroba got three takedowns on uh, uh, sorry the champ Carlos Barza. Like, that's fucking impressive, man. Who takes her down? Oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, 
Maybe I'll switch this pick. That seems like an like a outlier. But um, but, but again, to be fair, uh, and again, Angela Hill got taken down by Ashley Yoder, who's not very fast. So here's the thing: standing up, I think this is competitive. But Angela Hill kind of dips her head into the pocket often enough. And I like that she's sitting down more on her shots. I love that kind of progression of her game. Um, I like that her conditioning now is just elite, especially for a three-round fight. She might have the edge in that way uh, if Verna can't submit her early. But there's a chance that Verna can, unfortunately, catch her because Angela Hill's a really good grappler. But if you look at, you know, Ariane Carnelosi, Hannah Cyphers, Loma Lubume, these are like inexperienced or kind of low-level fighters, right? Carnelosi doesn't really belong in the UFC, barely if she does. Hannah Cyphers didn't really truly belong in the UFC. Maybe as a, you know, she's an exciting, excuse me, fighter. Ashley Yoder's not a high-level UFC fighter. Like, these are Angela Hill clear wins. Everything else are close decisions that, unfortunately, the judges don't favor on. So uh, I think for that reason, I, I think early success with Ginger Robles wrestling uh, could lead to something, although Angie's usually effective early. And I, I think she's, she's going to be able to get takedowns. There's a chance she might finish her. I hope not. I, I think Angie's capable of surviving, and in which case it'll be a close decision again and, and where the tide shifts mid-fight, but then Angela doesn't win those kinds of fights. It's not her fault because so many of us believe she deserves these wins, but the judges just keep screwing her over. And her at age 38 against truly an elite grappler, a specialist in one area who's developing her stand-up game pretty well, in my opinion, and also has pretty good wrestling. Um, I, I don't love Angela's chances as much as I'm a, a big fan of hers and will absolutely be rooting for her to win. Well, I'm taking, it was, you know. I think for was, two points, I think for two points, not a bad idea. It's Angela Hill. This is going to be competitive. I think it's the only, you know, like, it's the only two-pointer on the card that I, yeah, I hear that. Um, that I feel good about. I feel that. Uh, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between... Ian Cote Laba and Ryan Spann. Spann is gigantic. Oh, wow. I'm shocked. Really? I was, I, was, I was staying the hell away from this one. Um, maybe, I, maybe it's false confidence. I just I feel didn't, like... I didn't, I didn't even... I didn't, I'm so staying away from it. I didn't even make a pick in it. I was just like... I, I hear that. Stand with I've, I've, I've definitely been there. Uh, and and uh, it's a shame that I could have taken like one of your like locks uh, instead of this one. But I'll take it because I, I have... I have a, some confidence in this, right? We know that Ryan Spann can get a quick knockout win over a guy like Mr. Sirkinov. Uh, he made some terrible decisions in the Sam Alvey fight, arguably deserved to lose that fight. Sam Alvey was on a huge losing streak. He barely beat him by the skin of his teeth. Um, Devin Clark, he did well against him, but it's Devin Clark from 2019, not even the current more mature version, right? Roger Nagara was an old man when he fought him, right? His losses to Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker showed bad IQ, and his win over uh, Sam Alvey showed bad MMA IQ. And it showed that he's not really that great of a grappler once the fight hits the ground against a decent grappler, right? Yanko Talab is going to have the wrestling advantage. And Ryan Spann likes to rely on pre- pressing against the cage and getting takedowns. Kutilov is a strong, wide guy, and he's got a Greco-Roman wrestling background, right? He's coming off of a, an impressive win over Devin Clark, this version of Devin Clark. And he, like, outworked him and didn't look exhausted in the third round the way he used to. So he's clearly been putting the time in on the conditioning, losing to Mangamad on Kalaev and Glover Teixeira, the current champ. Nothing to be ashamed of, right? Jaron Cannonier prior to that. Um, he did lose to Mr. Shurkinov back in 2016, but you look at his losses there to either number one contender level fighters like Ankalaev and Jared Cannonier or the champ Glover Teixeira. Um, Dustin, Dustin Jacoby was a, a, a split draw, and Devin Clark, he did very well against. He's in his prime. He's, he's in his late 20s, still a young guy. And he's facing off against a super non-durable guy who makes terrible, terrible mistakes in there. Gets nervous as hell, what have you. His chin can be shut off just by a touch, especially by a guy like Kutelaba. It's entirely possible. So I like Ian Kutelaba, who's a shorter man and can be a little sloppy, but I think he's improving his game. So you're going with Ian Kutelaba. Good for you, man. <laughs> um, By the way, if you think this fight is so close, then Ryan Spam might have been a good rider for you, plus 180. I don't know that it's cl- I think that it's close. I just don't trust either of these guys to do anything that makes sense. That makes any- that is anything that makes sense. I get that. Um, it's, it's hard to be analytical about that fight, um, as opposed to the next fight, which, uh, listen, I like Amanda Hivas a lot, what's not to like, um, but I don't see... Nobody, no, nobody, unless they've got, you know, Jessica Andrade Power, like, or um, the insane skill of uh, Valentina Shevchenko, like, nobody beats Caitlin Chukagan. Her, her, 
her strategy is like there just aren't a lot of good um, solutions for her strategy. Her body is such that she can maintain a certain distance, and she can let she and she keeps that distance and keeps people at the end of her jab and at the end of her kicks and you know maybe maybe she lands a lot maybe she doesn't but nobody ever gets inside long enough to do anything of note um and then she just like scores rounds and i don't see amanda kivas being the fighter to um to shake that up nick i agree with you i think that there's a big factor in this matchup where if that wasn't the case, I would have been probably more inclined to, to veer toward um, Amanda Hibas. It's that she's coming up from 115 pounds to 125. Yes. Against one of the tallest, if not the tallest, 125er. She's 5'3", maybe 5'4", right? 5'3 is where she's listed at, at least on topology. Kaylee Chukagian's what, 5'9"? She might be 5'10", and I believe it, man. She's going to have a significant size advantage. Um, she's going to have that footwork advantage, even though it's in a smaller cage, which gives Hibas the opportunity to potentially kind of lock her in against the cage with good footwork, which I can see the American Top Team team putting together well for her. Can she take her down consistently? Yeah, I, I, can't see, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't see Kuchagin falling for that. I see her being able to circle back, take in center of the cage. I, I, I tend to um, generally agree with you. Again, a smaller cage makes it a little trickier. It's not as easy as in the big cage, but I feel like Caitlin is used to that yeah, cage. It's not it's like she's not, on pay-per-view. Oh, actually, no, yeah, you know what? She was on a couple of pay-per-views there for a while. So, yeah. And Amanda Hibas is not, is not Carla Esparza. Yeah. She is not Carla Esparza, although she's also a very talented fighter. Carla Esparza wouldn't do too well at 125 either, I don't think. But um, No, I just, I just yeah. mean, well, that, no, I didn't mean with respect to the weight. I meant just, I meant with respect to the dogged approach, approach to takedowns. Like if Carla Esparza, if it was a Carla Esparza style fighter, right, at 125, I would think that would be, that would be a tough out for Chukagian. Yeah, but that there there isn't there like isn't, how about a more oh, dangerous version? Jessica Andrade just berserks you and has slams takedowns, but also just, major yeah, power in her be, hands. Or, but pressure yeah, is the key. Going to be a wrestler, like honestly, you know who would be a tough fight for Chukagian is Tracy Cortez. Um, I, that would be a f- perfect next test. I would love to see a fight, Nick. I think you would just match. I think that's high. That's I think that's a high. I think that's a little too big of a step for Tracy, but but. She's the kind of fighter that's going to be difficult for Chukagin. It's fair to say that's a big step up, uh, but I'm intrigued by it, definitely. Especially, there should be like a bit of a size difference there. My next pick, and again, I agree with you on the pick. I do think Amanda Hibas, you know, there's a chance she could score takedowns. I could see her doing it a couple times. Caitlin Chukagin is okay to hang out on her back. So there's risk, there's risk here on this pick, but I, I get why you made it. My next pick is going to be, I'm going to take from the Tetsura Tyra matchup against Carlos Candelario. Um, Carlos Candelario is pretty dogged, pretty relentless, right? Took a fight on Contender Series and lost a decision that he arguably should have won. Uh, actually, that, that was his last fight in Contender Series. Um, he won the first two rounds, took it on a couple of weeks' notice, and then got tired in the third and lost the third round. The judges somehow gave it to the other guy. Prior to that, he had a really uh, kind of competitive back-and-forth fight in which I think he won, and he didn't get the contract. He got the contract after the loss because it was a good performance by him. So... Um, He's a dogged, gritty guy. I, I don't know that he has the athleticism to match up with Tatsura Taira, who's like made his career beating up on like very small Japanese fighters, and this is a 125, mind you, beating up on like really tiny Japanese uh, opponents, um, mostly Japanese, some Middle Eastern, but like you know the, the usual like the, not the most athletic talent, not the most uh, technically s- savvy, and not the biggest, right? And so he was able to kind of mm-hmm. run through a lot of these folks. He has a good ground game. Um, overall, pretty good. To, he's got some power and dynamic. Just the way he moves, you can tell he's an athlete, right? So I, I think that's probably going to be the difference maker in this matchup. He's a real prospect. He's like somewhere around 9 or 10 or no in the amateurs and 7 or no as a pro, I believe. Um, you know, th- there was some consideration to put Carlos uh, as, a, as an underdog here to pick him, but he could apply that pressure. I just don't think he's athletic enough or dogged enough to keep doing it for a long term. So I like Tatsuya Tyra to bank enough, at least in the first half of the fight, uh, to make a clear cut case for a decision win. But he could also finish. He's a talented guy. All right. I'm, uh, I'm with you there. Um, I'm going to go with my... I've got this, you know, I've pretty consistently been picking the women's fights, and they have been the fights that have kept me in the competition. So I'm going to stay with that. Um... I'm going to go with, let me make sure, I think she's the underdog here, but I don't, um, and this, this is like practically a pick em. Actually, she's not the underdog. She's a slight, slight favorite. 
Um, I'm going to go with the odds makers um, and pick Andrea Lee to defeat Vivian Arojo. Andrea Lee is coming off the best win of her career off uh, against Sadia Cavillo. Um, and Vivian Arojo's uh, wins have not impressed me that much against Roxy and against um, Montana De La Rosa. Arojo also gets really tired. And Andrea Lee does not get tired. I think that Andrea Lee's a better... Uh, I think she's... I think she's probably... I think I would say she's probably a better MMA striker uh, all around. I think she's got some snap. Um, and she's going to be riding a lot of confidence. And I think she's really, really going to push the pace. And by the second half of the second round, I expect to see Vivian Orojo breathing out of her mouth. So I, I think... Uh, Lee by unanimous decision is my pick there. I tend to agree with you on this on this pick. Even though on paper it, it looks like a hard pick to make, Lee often loses these competitive decisions to faster, more athletic opponents. But ever since she started dating, I think his name was Tony Kelly, right? Um, that guy who decided he needs to drive 8,000 miles to the UFC event rather than fly and put a mask on because he stands for something. Um, kind of an idiot in that way, but really fucking determined dogged pressure um and he's just in insane physical shape always and he just like performs like it has the cardio for days and andrea lee came into her last fight after she started seeing this man and she just looks on a different love just shredded ripped right her conditioning is on another level her speed has come up because she's gained some muscle so she has more fast switch muscle fiber i also think she's worked on adding snap to her punches with this new coaching she hits, she's clear she she clearly hits harder i mean she yeah cynthia could be she made Cynthia Cavillo quit on the stool. How she, often do she we does. see that? To be fair, it's, it's tough to tell with Cynthia given where she is in her career right now. Like it's tough to tell whether mm -hmm. she, whether like definitely both. I think both Andrea Lee was at her best and Cynthia was that was at her lowest for that to happen that way. Like Andrea Lee doesn't finish fights and certainly, you know, not in this way. But just for the record, um Max Rushkoff, I think that guy's name was, who got so much heat as the debuting UFC fighter with only a handful of fights for giving up. Cynthia Cavillo did it too. She was a top 15 level fighter in two divisions. Uh, anyway, um, I agree with you on the pick. I think that her, her jab is going to be the biggest difference maker because that seems to be what has worked uh, for Jessica I, for Caitlin Shukagian against Arujo. And her jab was a piston in that fight. It was fantastic. Um, again, higher speed in her punches. There's a concern that Arujo can get top position and Lee is a little too comfortable in that position. I'm hoping they worked on that part of her game and that's no longer the case. We have yet to see it. I can only imagine they have focused on it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with you on the pick. I think maybe you picked it a little bit, a tad bit early, but hard to. I'm, I'm going to say you picked it early just because it's one of my like last two least uh, confident fights. But Andrea Lee looks her best ever, so I'm, I'm there with you, especially considering Arujo's gas tank. Explosive and fast, but how long will that last? Yeah, I just largely, I mean, I just also just trust my instinct on women's fights better. You go, boy. You know what? We're, we're going to find out because we are... Actually, we're only disagreeing on one in this one so far, right? Yeah. All right. My next pick is going to be... Wait, which one did we disagree on? Uh, oh, you picked Vierna Jandaroba against I your know. former teammate. Well, not, not, not a teammate. We, we've trained together, but I, uh, but I wasn't officially a part of her team or, or part of her team. I'm just... Um, I'm close with her uh, Muay Thai coach. Uh, friendly with her Muay Thai coach. So, I am going to next pick... In the Alexander Rakic versus Jan Blachowicz matchup. The main event, Nikolai. Rakic is a motherfucking giant for this division. He is, what, 6'5", Nick? He could easily be a heavyweight, except he's extremely athletic. He's, he's fairly technical. Um, he hits hard when he wants to. He kicks like a fucking mule. And he's coming off of dominant wins over Anthony Smith. I shouldn't say dominant. Tiago Santos was a staring contest. But that's what Tiago does, I guess. Anthony Smith, he dominated from top position. Didn't do much from there. After his first loss to Vulcan Ozdemir, close competitive split decision prior to that. And you know what? This guy, again, he has the promise of potentially being a champion, especially in a division in which John Jones is not a factor, right? And he's going up here against the former champion, Jan Blahovich, who looked like he was in a new mode running through this division, beating Israel Adesanya fairly decisively. As a huge favor going into the uh, going into the Glover Teixeira matchup, Nick, and what happens? He gets basically dominated, man, and that is concerning. And for that reason, he's an underdog here, plus one sixty on Jan Blahovic. Sign me the fuck up. I think that's crazy talk. Alexander Rakic needs to pressure in this fight to be effective. He doesn't pressure well. It's not in his nature. He'd rather a low pace fight. Jan Blahovic wins low pace fights, right? He 
did it on in multiple occasions, right? He beat Jacare Souza when they were basically having a staring contest. Incredibly boring matchup. He beat Israel Asani in a rel- relatively low-paced kickboxing fight in which he incorporated takedowns, right? He beat... Uh, there was one or two other wins there. Diego Santos was a slow Rockhold. fight for him as well. Yeah, Luke Rockhold's fairly a slow fight because Luke kind of hangs out and then does something as explosive and athletic. And then Yan yeah, counters, so like, which is what created the opportunity yes, for that exactly, violent knockout. Yeah, exactly. um, and that's the thing is that so far we've seen Rockhold be extremely timid, and if he's going to give uh, if he's going to give Jan Blahovic kind of a just his pace of a fight that Israel Adesanya pace where he's being very cautious and very careful and more defensively minded than offensively kind of focused, then Jan Blahovic is probably reliably going to win that fight. Now, Blahovic might be in a terrible headspace. He, like, he basically seemed to have gotten hurt a little bit by that can opener by Glover Teixeira. In the first round, he was just very uncomfortable with it. He let him pass guard from there. In the second round, like, he, he was kind of wincing as that, as that uh, maneuver was applied. And then he pulls out of this matchup uh, against the same opponent, against Rockage a couple of months ago, Nick, maybe seven or eight weeks ago, because of a neck injury. So there could be something real concerning there. I'm not factoring that in as much as I could. There's actually somebody else that I used to, that I have trained some time on, on the mats with. Um, I forget her name. We're Facebook friends. But she's training with him now, which I, I don't know if that's a, you know, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I don't know if he has new coaches or what's happening right now. But um, I hope things are good with him. I think plus 160 is, is a little bit of an insult to him. So I'm going to take him for that reason in a matchup that I otherwise think is extremely close on paper. I think his uh, offensive pressure and his countering game should mount to scoring enough points. So you're going to take a shot at the, at the plus two. I am. I okay. am. No, that was that's pretty good. that's pretty smart. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm gonna go with a guy that always makes all of us look dumb, uh, but especially me. But I'm gonna pick him here because he has flashes of brilliance. And this is Michael Johnson in his 19 and 17 career has some real trademark victories and some flashes of brilliance, like wins over Dustin Poirier and Tony Ferguson. This guy has Alan Patrick has wins over nobody. <laughs> I mean, Demir has He beat Stevie Ray. I guess there's that. I get, well, he did beat John McDessie. I'm sort of surprised about that, um, looking back at it, but it was, it was a while ago. Um, yeah. A I less experienced version good. of McDessie, yeah. Yeah. He, I, don't, I, I just don't feel like the last uh, three or four years that, um, that Alan Patrick has looked very good. If I recall correctly, he was getting completely brutalized last year by Mason Jones. Um, when there was an eye poke and, uh, and, but, you know, Patrick, uh, you know, opt, opted out if, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, he did Nick, he quit. And, he basically yeah. quit. So I, yeah, I, I just don't have a, a lot of, a lot of faith in him. And I don't know that like, usually the guys that, um, when Michael Johnson has a brain fart, and ends up getting gets, ends up getting finished. Uh, it's because he's he's fighting someone who's got some sort of killer weapon, a Habib, a Justin Gagey, a Josh Emmett. You know, someone who someone who can who really has the tools to take a, a fight that Michael Johnson's been winning for ninety five percent of it and just finish him out. Um, so I don't think Alan Patrick is that guy. So I'm going to take Michael Johnson to actually win one here. Um, I would not pick this fight if I had <laughs> any choice at all. Because speaking of fights where you cannot rely on anyone, more so than Neon Cotillaba versus Ryan Spann, granted, that was my second pick and this is your fifth. Um, Alan Patrick, 38 years old, quit in his last fight. But does go for a shitload of takedowns. Yeah, he lost to Scott Holtzman and Bobby Green. Maybe the age has something to do with it, right? Between, like, 2018 is the last time he had a win. Um, but he did beat guys like Stevie Ray, Damian Brown, who are not high-level guys, right? But these are pretty, like, crafty, solid fighters. Good fundamentals, right? They're, they're, at, they're at that kind of mid-level. And Michael Johnson's, like, like, yeah, he's great for a round, but he falls apart after that. So it's hard to rely on either guy. I... 
I mean, I don't know. I'll freaking disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you because, like, this is Michael Johnson. He's going to fall apart after a round if he doesn't finish the fight, and I'm not sure that he's going to finish the fight in the first round despite the way we saw um, Patrick quit last time. It was against Mason Jones, who's a kid in his prime, who's, like, really a pressure fighter and will tear you up. Michael Johnson will look good early, but you know you just have to make it through that first round, and you're probably okay. He just has a huge brain fart, even if it's not just exhaustion. It's happened time and time again. It's hard to rely on the guy. I'm going to pick Patrick, who has gotten takedowns and gone for dozens of takedowns in some fights, versus Michael Johnson, who doesn't have the best best track record when it comes to uh, defending takedowns. Okay. Although Patrick is 38 goddamn years old, man. It's 38 fucking years old. Landed nine takedowns against Demir Hodzovic, who has terrible takedown events, back in 2018. Uh, you might very well be right. I, it's a fucking pick and that's why I would not want to pick this fight. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Jake Hadley and Alain Nascimento. Jake Hadley sounds like kind of an asshole. Sounds like the, the Contender Series crew, like they weren't sure they wanted to give him a contract because he was kind of an asshole. And he's apparently like... This, what do you mean? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? I, just about? apparently like super unprofessional and just like a dick. And I, I, they don't have footage of him being a dick per se, but like apparently it's something along those lines. And... Um, Alana Cemento, who is granted on a two-fight losing streak under the kind of UFC-ish banner, including Contender Series, right? These are two close fights that he arguably, you know, at least certainly the last one, he arguably won against Tagir Ulanbekov, if I'm not mistaken, right? In a matchup where, like, Tagir is super highly heralded, he was a big favorite, I thought that Nascimento beat him. Now, you can't be on your back doing more damage and almost finishing your opponent if the judges don't see the merit in that. I get it. Um, I, I just feel like this is a different level of opponent in Jake Hadley. He's only 7-0. He's a good grappler. Does a good job of keeping top position. Nascimento's a little too willing to stay on his back. But as a, uh, as a shooter box Diego Lima member, along with the, the champ or technically the former champ, Oliveira, um, I expect that this guy's improving. He's a young kid. He has a really good ground game and pretty good fundamental standing too. Um, I have some concerns about him getting stuck on his back. But for two points... Sign me up for Alan Nascimento. You got him. You disagree with this pick, I assume? Uh, yeah, but you're going after all the two pointers, man. Uh, yeah, I do. I do have. I do have two on this one, and I was considering a third. And, and, mm-hmm. and I have one. I have one. Right, my yeah. one is uh, is Angie. Yeah. I'm probably going to lose horribly again. Ugh. Nick, right, believe so in your goddamn self. I believe in you. But wait, the Manuel Torres, Frank Camacho about. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't trust any fighters from Guam. No, I'm kidding. Whoa. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I love Guam. Jesus uh, uh, Christ. My thoughts on this fight. I don't really have any thoughts on this fight. Um, I, I'm going to go with El, El Loco, Manuel, Manuel Torres. Manuel um, Torres is basically a striker. Used to be more sloppy, recently started using his jab. Um, I don't know if he has a lot of power necessarily against the guy with heart. Frank Camacho is a super slow starter, pretty dynamic standing, but he's a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappler. He just doesn't go for it much. If he goes for it, I think he'll win this fight. Um, I think I'm going to go with the experience of Camacho by a fucking hair, but I wouldn't be shocked if Camacho just runs into something early. So we'll disagree on this one, and you know, it, we'll see if it even becomes a factor. Yes, sir. Uh, Nick, well, that 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 was uh, that was worth a merit. What what do what do you what do you got to say about UFC two the two fifty four two seventy four? I mean, first you got you got Cerrone and Lazan getting canceled. Oh, that's my two pointer, Nick. Come on, man. Then Shit. You, then you got then you got the weight miss. Yeah. And then on top of that, um, the travesty. This fight. I mean. Also, I mean, I was just frustrated because I had a couple of, you know, not great pits, but like Melissa Gatto looked amazing in the first round. Like she, I think she's capable of beating Tracy Cortez, but her, I don't think that she fought particularly smart uh, the rest of the fight. Um, I don't think she's that, like after a while, I thought she was more capable. And I think you convinced me to change my pick to Gatto. Um, And that's what I get for listening to you, I guess. But, um, but seriously, like, I think that Gatto, she, Chris, Tracy Cortez, in my opinion, won every round. Oh, I didn't think that she won the first. No way. Really? Um, yeah, I definitely thought that Gato won the first. Um, okay. But I thought that I think Gato, like like a lot of Brazilian fighters, I think she's just she. I think she's too comfortable on her back, and um, 
You know what? But I remember I that. So. You're right. You're right. She's but I think choice. she's the more well. I think she's the more well-rounded fighter. Anyway, Cortez was good though. You know, now she's going to get the marketing push. She's she's you know the hot MMA couple with T City. Good for them. I've always been a Tracy Cortez fan. I just thought that after the way she beat Eubanks, like with a, a front kick while being a jiu-jitsu specialist, that Gato was really going to bring something special. Um, I thought you kind of got gifted a little bit with uh, Ivanov against Rogerio Lima. That fight was miserable and ugly. It was not miserable. Uh, it was, right? oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. But no, it was, I, it was. I don't think I got um, gifted. Hold on, I didn't get gifted. The majority of MMA decisions had it my way. It was a competitive fight, but he took over and won the second and third round. Yeah. When you hurt I the thought, guy multiple uh, times, like you won, and you landed more, you win the round. It's crazy talk. Wait, who picked? Did you pick Chase on? No, you picked. Was that your fight? Who, who picked that? I be, I thought on, I but. maybe that's my one or one of my losses. I don't think I had a lot last week. Let me see. I think I may have picked Dumont, which I know is not how Chase you pronounce on. her name, but I prefer if it was. Yeah, she was my third pick. Um, man, yeah, Chase on Macy like a, came in as a different human, like at this weight division. Could the weight could have really been affecting her like that? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, she she looked good. Uh, Trinaldo looked awesome. That fight went exactly like I thought it would. I really thought Chaos Williams had it. You know, I feel like Randy Brown snuck in there and grabbed the fight from him. Um, I did have have Shogun over OSP. I know that some, but not but not most uh, people did. Um, Ch- I think Chandler, it may have edged uh, Shogun, but, but again, no, it's such but, a close but, fight but, that it's easily no, could have run it was super. It was super close. I thought Shogun landed more uh, more effective strikes, but you know, leg legs. He was going after the legs, and those don't always score. But let's talk about what was what shocked us all, which is that Rosnami Yunus, who we know has always been very lovable um, and vulnerable, but a little wacky, and. I'm the best. She walks out there saying I'm the best, I'm the best which, I'm, which I'm fine with. I think that's a great tactic. I'm the best. I'm fine with I'm the best. But then she. But, but then are you convincing yourself? There. That's what you're doing, right? She's trying to convince herself. The way that Pat Barry babied her in the corner, despite how the fight was going. Oh, I don't know what she's not. Doing. She's not self-confident at all unless she has people propping her confidence at all times, Nick, including in I mean, the I corner. Can, I can relate to that. I can relate to that, and it's. But you're, but, but she, you haven't chosen fight sports as your career. And by the way, she's a fucking brilliant fighter. Imagine well, if her head was the, on I went strong. To the, I went to the career fair, and they decided they thought they advised me against it. But um, having a career, you know, oh, I see, I see, yeah, yeah, having a career in MMA. Biggest, but, but, but why, why did she not? Why did they not adjust? Because Pat Barry a, she, needed to she, cater to her ego. Because if you listen carefully. Trevor Whitman was trying to implore her to pick it up, to pressure, to throw offense. Every round, and every round break between first and second, et cetera, et cetera, he was progressively more adamant about it, but at the same time being extremely careful to cater yeah. to a fragile. I, I don't know if ego is the right I, term. I, I wouldn't let Pat Barry in the corner for a while. Yeah, but like, you know what? Trevor Whitman was, I don't know if he was following his lead because he was the second, right? Even though it's crazy talk. What the fuck is Pat Barry doing there? Like, like, what knowledge does he, I mean, he has a kickboxing background and he was a good, exciting fighter, but I don't think that qualifies you as a great coach. Trevor Whitman has the champions. He's the one that made the champs. Um, anyway, so yeah, Pat Barry was basically telling her everything was going perfectly every round. You hear the news? I mean, that's Carl great. Was- Carla wasn't doing shit either. I think she was just like, what's going on here? Yeah, but Carla, um, Carla was making it at least look like she was attempting shit, but she also wasn't willing to take those real risks. But she was like putting a slight bit more effort in and sometimes moving forward versus Rose moving laterally. By the way, just for the record, fell asleep multiple times during this fight, Nick. Multiple fucking times. Sty- I mean, they say styles make fights, but like... Man, the, that first rather, fight wasn't like this. It was the opposite watched, of this. I, I would have... Well, I would have rather watched, you know, watch Carla like... Like you know, blanket her. And I mean, her with yeah, I'd be, I would have been fine with that. But like, it, that's the tricky thing is that Rose basically gave away the fight. She had the takedown defense. She had the ability to get not back just up to the her fight. Feet. She gave she gave away the championship yeah, of the world. Absolutely right, right. Um, and and that's the thing is that you've had matchups in which the champion gets the nod in this kind of situation. I think Izzy Adesanya came out and and criticized Rose Namajunas. Izzy Adesanya, who. Yeah. Should have lost to Yoel Romero in one of the most in the most boring fight in middleweight history. No, that was that was probably the closest, the closest one. Um, yeah, talk about a lack of self awareness. Anyway, um, Rose Namajunas 
she kind of did shit the bed. It's her mental game that kept her from holding the title. Um, arguably, should have led to a loss in the rematch against Jessica Andrade, right? Like, yeah. She, well, that was. I mean, that was a really good fight, and I can't. I can't. That was her second fight against Jessica Andrade. Her second fight against Zhang Weili. Like, I. That was also a fight that could have arguably been she, Zhang Weili. Super, super close. They, Nothing wrong with that. They're they two high level been, fighters. But, yeah. But, but Rose, I mean, Rose showed up and fought her ass off in both she of did. those fights. She did. She she really um, did. She did. She did not. She did not show up to win this fight. She showed up not to lose. Yeah. Uh, and it. And it's it, almost and like it she backfired. thought that if she was able to keep it on the feet, she's winning automatically, no matter what's happening or not happening on the feet. The, and then her her defense of it, and Pat, I don't know if you saw Pat Berry's appearance on Ariel Hawani, but he sounded since completely then? insane. Since then or before? Yeah, he sounded. Tell me more. I haven't then. heard he it. He sounds. Com- um, he just sounds nuts, and he keeps talking about how people are in Rose's head. How strong Sean Strickland bringing up that that you know that Pat Berry groomed her from when she was fourteen. Oh my stuff. god, it's, that's it's fucking with her. them! Like, Holy shit! It's, it is messing with them because I mean I think they were actually probably something like I don't know twenty eight and eighteen or something. I, I don't. I don't. Were. I'm not so sure. But, Nick. But I also I'm not don't. That I also sure. don't really judge people. I mean I don't know, but I don't really care. I mean I, I I care, but like me as a father of two daughters. I care about like these thirty-year-old men grooming sixteen, seventeen-year-old girls. Well, I, I mean, six, yes, I agree. I agree with that. But it's like they seem to. I mean, they, they seem to have been in a good, loving relationship for a long time. Stuff yeah, happens since in the gym. then. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Also, yeah. athletes are athletes are different. Like I, I don't know. I just. What did Pat Berry have uh, to say? Uh, basically, what you just, just, you, just uh-huh. you, you have to watch it because like the faces that he makes, his expressions. He doesn't seem like Pat Berry. He seems like an insane cult leader. Really, holy shit, man! Yeah, it was the first time that I was like, "Whoa, this guy." Maybe I was because usually I'm like always defending Pat Berry, and yeah. like in this. Nick, in Nick this if it's clip, fucking with like, Rose this like, much, you Ooh. tend to think that might be. You tend to think that might be. That's like why. I, that's a why thing. I say things like maybe he should. Maybe he shouldn't be in her corner for her next fight. Yeah, I mean they, um, they've they've, they've gone like, that route before. Her next fight's not going to be easy. Her next fight's going to be. She's going to end up fighting the loser of, of Joanna Whaley Zhang. That's that's going to be no fucking picnic for her. I mean, I, I don't see like you think she's she's going to have a third fight against two women that she beat twice. Probably. There's not that. There's this. Listen, this weight class. There's reason why there's so many rematches in this weight class. Like, it 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 lacks elite fighters. There's like five amazing fighters, but I mean, maybe, maybe they give her somebody else, but the money fight would be to put her with, you know, for a Trinity with, with, uh, with a bunch of fights that were like, I mean, yeah, look, look, it's entirely possible. I just, if I was her, it does nothing for my legacy. All I can do is risk losing a close decision to one of these women. Why the fuck would I want to do that? After I beat them twice? That's crazy talk. Yeah. I think right now she's going to. Marina Rodriguez. How about them apples? Mackenzie Dern. She's gonna, yeah. Um, that's yeah. where it's at. Uh, Jessica Andrade's trilogy makes a lot of sense. Jessica's back. Jessica called for a title fight. By the way, could get the title fight, could win the title, could end up fighting Rose again. And, I mean, we're talking about um, some very exciting shit ahead. All of those, all of those make sense. The other fight that would uh, probably wake her up, although I wouldn't like this, uh, for the competitor is, uh, would be Tisha Torres, um, who's coming off of a loss. Yeah, but why? She's uh, they've already uh, fought twice, I believe. Already, and she beat her in the rematch. Oh, I mean, right. I guess it would be the, right. the third that's fight, right. but no, you're right. If if we're gonna listen, if 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 we're gonna give somebody the chance to step up, you're right. Rodriguez or Dern, yeah, uh, would be the fight. You got a win-win then, Rose, right? I think Rins both. I think Rose wins both of those and stops the momentum. As long as she's uh, mentally in a good place and Sean Strickland uh, gets banned from Twitter, which is very unlikely with this new ownership, um, you know. She's gonna be fine, but she how how do we know she's gonna be in a good head place? She lost yeah. the title and was glad to have lost it. She felt relieved, Nick. Come on, this is not a mentally oh, strong fighter. Now, Mike Tyson oh, was not said, a mentally said, strong wait, fighter she, either. Yeah, doesn't mean you're not. She a good said one. that again. Uh, uh, no, she did not say that again. But she said that before, and this time she lost yeah, because some asshole. Uh, to be fair, maybe hit the fucking nail on the head. If we're gonna be perfectly honest here, man, like why else would this affect her yeah. to this extent? Right, she had been abused as a, as a little girl, and and then she sought the refuge of an older man. I I, I don't know. Look, it's it's easy for me to judge, especially uh, on a podcast listened to by millions, Nick, millions. But 
you know, it's 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 it, it all stinks weird to me, especially if this is an actual issue in her head. It's unfortunate. Um, Rose is an extremely talented fighter, but a lot like Mike Tyson, like he needed Castanato to keep him sharp. And once he was gone, he wasn't the same guy anymore, right? Because the mental strength was gone, was gone, and that's extremely important for a high-level MMA fighter. So she's in a tricky space having to tell her husband not to be in her corner anymore. Nick, that will uh, basically do it for this event. Are there any other fights worth discussing on this one? There were some boring fights. Tony Ferguson was piecing up Michael Chandler. I heard him multiple times. I think part of what we learned between Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler is following a huge war like that. Steve Miocic showed that to us after uh, taking that sh- uh, kind of short-range fight against Daniel Cormier following his war with Ngannou the first time, right? You can't go through a war and take a fight soon after, man. Your chin's not going to perform the same. Michael Chandler was buzzed by Tony Ferguson multiple times. Tony was faster. He was taller. He was more effective. His pressure was working. Man, I expected Michael Chandler to dominate the first round. That was fucking a shocker. Um, and then, you know, he got, that, he got that fortunate shot. But we're seeing that these wars have a short-term effect at the very least. And I think both of these guys yeah. showed it with their, with their durability. Yeah, I agree. There's... Um... And listen, looking at our um, at the next card, there's some interesting stuff. You got Holly Holm against Caitlin Vieira. Um, you know, either of those fighters that could give is Juliana not going to be fun give, to watch. Probably not, but it could give, give Juliana Pena a run. I suspect Holly Holm's going to win that fight. But the co-main event's really fun. Um, you, it's like you got st- almost like stunt doubles in there. You yes. got Santiago, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio against Michelle Pejia. That's some fun matchmaking. Yes, it is. Um, it's a great fight. I kind of wish that was five rounds. Maybe maybe that'd be a bad idea. I would after love that, it if it was, Nick. After that, it falls off. Um, no, I would say that Chidi and Chikawani versus Dusko Todorovic uh, is yeah. guaranteed excitement. That's a pretty good matchup. Jung Young Park versus Eric Anders, I don't mind. But, I mean, Omar Morales versus Uros Medic, these are both, like, really good uh, kickboxers. Jonathan Martinez, Vince Morales is going to be a firefight. Not a high-level fight, but a firefight. Uh, letting, let me see. And that's about it. Back in. Yeah, sure, Chase Hooper. He shouldn't be in the UFC. But outside of that, um, nothing really to write at home about. See, that is a like a mediocre fight night card to me overall, right? Versus what we just came off, uh, versus what we're going to see this weekend. It's not a bad one, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I remain a big Holly Holm fan. She was a champion of the world. I do think she's a, to a degree, a, she's close to a generational athlete. Um, yeah, I, rem- I remain a big Holly Holm fan, so I'll always show up uh, to watch her fights. And I think that co-made event is... is it could be weird, but I can't. It, here's the thing: Pahea gets weird sometimes. Ponzinibbio is not boring. No, not at all. Neither, yeah, neither of them like, are. And, and although Pahea is more patient recently, neither of them are boring or what I would call boring. Um, I yeah, will say though, Nick, be a hard... after the barn burner between Chito Vera and Rob Font, we then had a co-main event and could have been main event of Rose Namajunas versus Carlos Barza. This weekend, we're coming up on a main event between, uh, excuse me, between Blahovich and Rockich. Both guys that have been known to have some extremely boring, tepid fights in which they stare across each other and do nothing. We're next week. We have a fight between Holly Holm and Caitlin Vieira. Holly Holm can suck the wind out of an arena. This could be interesting, Nick. She can. She can at times. Um, that um, that fight card is probably going to be saved by Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Pereira. And a couple of those other fights are firefights, right? So there's excitement in, in the books for this one. Pollyanna Vienna versus Tabitha Ritchie is not a, like, that's a fight that's probably going to end and, and, you know, like it's going to maybe end uh, violently. So th- there's, there's, some, there's some intriguing, interesting matchups, but this fight card coming up is way better than the one after. Yeah, I, I guess I agree with that. Nick, one last thing anyway, to discuss, I think, before yes, we sir. sign off What's is that? just the, the, the scale gate, Nick. Oliveira, several other fighters, came in a pound or a pound and a half heavy, basically, or maybe all consistently a pound heavy, including OSP, including a couple others that didn't end up making weight. Right? Once you stop the weight-cutting process from what they're saying, and I haven't experienced this, um, I've never had to re-weigh in, but once you stop the weight-cutting process, you stop sweating, it's extremely difficult to get it going again, apparently. So if this fucking scale in the back was fucked up and some fighters couldn't make weight, including the champion of the world, by half a fucking pound, like... Some shit is Sloppy. wrong there, man. Sloppy. Well, Dana White, Dana White referenced that they were people were changing it from pounds to kilos, right? Um, to kilos, and yeah, it's just. I mean, listen, the weight, the weight cutting. I hate weight cutting in MMA. I understand that from a marketing standpoint, that having 
um, a fairly limited number of weight classes compared to boxing is easier narratively. It's easy. It's, it's, it's really, really difficult um, to tell the story of a weight class when everything is as fluid as it is in boxing. And when there's so many, you know, like this super middle that like it's, um, there's just a lot more uh, gradients and um, it's like, I don't think the boxers cut, you know, cut the same kind of weight, but I, I think that it would be healthier if they all fought closer to their natural weight. Um, I think it makes a, I think it, it really has transformed the sport and made it very difficult for a lot of fighters um, to be fighting anywhere near where they would be performing optimally. Well, listen, I really that think sounds like be, bad I really decision think it should be five, doesn't it? It really, it really sounds like it would be five. It should be five pound differences. Well, not. I mean, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because, I mean, either you're cutting a lot of weight or you're too small. It's just like, um, I, I, I think there's. I think that the. I think weight classes in, in MMA should be divided by five pounds, and that's it. I think that the fact that there's fifteen pounds between one seventy and one eighty five is insane. You got twenty pounds between yeah, one eighty five and two hundred five. Nick, that's just, why we have Eagle FC to revolutionize the sport. No, is that what they're going to do? They have the one oh, one sixty five pound division, one seventy five, etc. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't know if it'll revolutionize the sport because, you know, sports get the audiences through marketing, and marketing works by understanding narratives. And if the UFC, well, it'll it'll number, lead to another champion, which means another potential pay per view doubleheader. Right, like another person to slot into that position. Um, there's benefits for the UFC for sure. There's benefits for our fighters in that they're more likely to get that double well, chance. Well, there's a difference between there's a difference between adding one weight class and well, you would like, add and, and altering two others, right? That's the tricky part, right? Yeah. I would probably I would probably add like four or five weight classes. Oh, I mean, it's tricky if you're going to get into like five pound increments, seven pound increments, like. I, I hear you. I think from in boxing, you you can't a, name me a single weight division in boxing, and you can't tell me the weight limit, right? They're not even round numbers. One fifty, one fifty seven, one fifty four, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Like th- these are hard correct. things to follow. You don't know what a Walter weight is from mm-hmm. a from a, 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 a flyweight. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying from a, from a marketing perspective <laughs> that what what makes it more sportsman like is or sports person like is bad for marketing. Uh, so, but at 10 pounds for the record, again, we get a, we eliminate, let's say the 170 pound division, we add a 75 and we add a 65. So we have one more weight division. The UFC has another champion, could be a superstar, who the fuck knows, maybe a... I would, uh, I would, I would add a 95 then also. That's fair. Yeah, you're right. 85, 95, 205. That makes perfect sense to me. Two new divisions, two new champions, another double champ or two in the near future. All of this is marketable, right? Like this can actually be... And if the UFC implements this, the rest of the sport will sooner or later. So, like, Dana White's being a fool here. He needs more champions. He doesn't need to, like, uh, he can add an atom weight division. That's a decent division in women's. But that, what else can you add? Men's 115, right? Like, what, what's realistic? Not a whole lot. So, uh, if he wants more marketable fighters, he wants more champions, this is the way to do it. Is he out of sound? He can go up to 195 maybe and win a title there. Maybe he can make 175. Who By the, the fuck way, knows? Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's time... Stan, uh, now that you're the two-time dad and you're going to be getting back in the gym, I think it's time for me to get the hand wraps on. Whoa! At 40, 46 years old, to put on the shin guards and uh, to start wheeling and dealing. So, are you planning on like walking into the gym smelling like Ben Gay, talking about the good old days? Well, I I smell like that all the time anyway. Um, that's fair. Ever since ever I'm since gonna, like ten years ago, that's that's reasonable. I'm, I think. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to walk in and for 45 seconds to just obliterate uh, the pads that that you have on, and then I'll get you know, then I'll fall over and <laughs> have trouble breathing. But well, it's a good place to start. So I think you'll be. I think you'll be seeing me uh, throwing hands soon. I'm going to take that as a direct threat, Nick, and I look forward to it. My head movement is in oh. motherfucking impeccable, Nikola. Impeccable. Yeah, but you but you can't defend that nose. No, that nose. I'm not going to lie, man. It just peeks out from that guard. You throw a jab from a. Eight feet away, Nick. You're gonna get me, and I have the reach advantage. No, I tr- no. Well, no, I try to. I try. I, I try to move inside, and I, I and your your nose. <laughs> that it can be effective in that way too, Nikolai. That'll be it for this episode, uh, Nick. I look forward to catching up on this one, motherfucker. What if both of my two pointers fail? Your two pointer passes. Yeah, I'm not we'll complaining. Angela Hill picks up a big win that that I I think she deserves at this point. 
if this goes to another close decision and she loses, I will be depressed. But at this point, it's like you got to rely on the judges to screw her almost more than rely on the fact that she really does have elite skills overall and experiences at this yeah. point. Nikolai, take care of yourself. I wish you all of the very, very... Well, I'm going to say all of the second best because I still got to take the very best for me if I have the option. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm controlling Goodbye. this... It's 11 o'clock. I still have work. No way. <laughs> it's not very kind. It's not very kind to say to someone who's been dominant. <laughs>